The word of Christ from the Gospel of John. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I heard a snicker over there. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which he had, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. Father in heaven, your word is holy and we thank you for it. We pray that you would bless its reading to our hearts to our minds, to our very lives. Holy Spirit, would you please move among us? Would you please minister to us as we reflect upon the resurrection of our King, Jesus? We pray in His name. Amen. What do we mean by resurrection? Quite simply, we mean all the way through to the other side. The literal raising of a real physical body after it has been really dead. But let's be abundantly clear. Resurrection is not merely about life after death. Instead, it's about life after life. After death, it is about being re embodied, the spiritual soul being reunited with the physical body after death, and not only that, but never to die again. 
We're not talking about mere resuscitation here. Yes, resurrection involves the same body. A literal, physical, real human body. However, the same body that was truly dead is now again truly alive, but it has changed. It is now different, transformed, glorified, immortalized, as Jeremiah Johnston puts it, undiable. It can no longer die. Spoiler alert. This is what the Apostle Paul is getting at in the epic 15th chapter of his epistle to the Corinthians. And starting April the 17th, not this coming Monday, tomorrow, but a week following, we're going to be having a small group for six weeks at our home, 7.30, Monday nights. And we're going to be dealing with that one chapter for six weeks. You don't want to miss it. But that's what the Apostle Paul is getting at, at when he talks about the resurrection of Jesus. A body that was really dead, really coming back to life, but never to die again. Transformed, glorified, immortalized, undiable. The resurrection of Jesus is God's answer to man's fall. Guilty of sin, we needed to be forgiven. And in his epistle to the Romans, the Apostle Paul says that the Lord Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. It is the resurrection of Jesus in which we are made right with God. We are offered radical pardon, the forgiveness of sins. In the dawn of a new day, the empty tomb provides a clean slate. New possibilities. A new life. Because of the forgiveness of sins. But having lost the life of God, we also need to be born again. Given new life. Regenerated. Generated again. And Peter, in his first New Testament epistle, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so the Lord's Day, the day of the resurrection, yes, it was the first day of the week, but we might even consider it the eighth day, as it were. For it's not merely the restart of a new cycle. That's not what Easter is about. It's not just about like the cycling of spring. New life coming out of the ground. This is the eighth day. For it is not merely that restart of a new cycle. But it's the pressing on into something all the way through to the other side. It's the first day of new creation. After the resurrection of Jesus, we live in a whole new world. A world being put back together. A world in which we live out the kingdom life, awaiting the return of the king who will make all things new. But there's more to the gospel 
there's more to what we find in the resurrection of Jesus. Because again, the resurrection of Jesus is God's answer to man's fall. Diseased, contaminated, enslaved by sin, we need to be cleansed, made holy, and set free from the power of sin. In a word, we need to be what the scriptures call sanctified. Paul, again, to the Romans, says that because we have been buried with Jesus in baptism and raised to new life in him, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not, therefore, sin reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members, that is your bodies, as to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but instead present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death into life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. It is the resurrection of Jesus that sets us free to live a holy life, that sets us free from the bondage of sin, that opens up the possibilities of faithful obedience to Jesus. But there's even more in the resurrection of Jesus. Mortal and therefore destined to die, we need even our bodies created good by the triune God to be redeemed. And the scriptures promise us that just as Jesus was raised bodily from the dead, so we too and will be made like him. Paul again to the Romans says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And so the resurrection of Jesus really is the whole thing. It's the whole story. It's what the entire Christian faith is all about. That's why on Easter Sunday, as the early church was preparing new believers for their holy baptism, some of them had waited three years to be baptized. They had been catechized and taught the faith over and over again. They had a mentor in their life, watching their lives, hearing their confessions, assuring them that God has pardoned them in Christ. And as they waded into the waters of baptism, they had heard the whole gospel. They had been raised up in the truth of the gospel. And on the, in the dark hours before dawn of that resurrection morning, they would be baptized into this holy faith. The resurrection is what it's all about. And so, to the extent... Man has fallen. God has redeemed him in Christ. The whole person, not divided into parts, but whole, is rescued in the risen one. You are not a body and a soul, but a single unity of body and soul. You are one thing. 
Not divide it off into parts. Not compartmentalize as though you could separate your physical life from your spiritual life. Or what you do that are spiritual activities from what you do in your physical body. They are a union. And that is how God made you. The God who said, this is very good. The same is true for all of us. If you think that you are a soul, but just have a body, which is very common in the church these days, please bear with me. But quite simply, you're wrong. About Jesus' literal, physical body, He, the Lord of heaven and earth, declares, I am not some disembodied soul. He tells the disciples that when they're terrified, when He suddenly shows up in the room. I'm not some ghost. Look at me. Hear me. Touch me. It's really me. He even pushes the envelope. Do you have any food to eat? I'm hungry. He doesn't say he's hungry. I don't think he got hungry. I think he ate just for the heck of it. I don't think he gained any weight either. They prepared for him broiled fish and honeycomb, which is really interesting. The things that make their ways into the gospel is pretty interesting. But he says, I'm not some disembodied soul. Look and see. Touch and feel it is I myself think about that it is I myself what is this resurrected body he does not say it's part of me he does not say it's some of me He does not say, it's intimately connected to me. He says, it is me. Period. And make no mistake, our redemption in the risen Jesus involves also our inner lives. Mary's tears Remind us, yes, of our embodiedness because those tears flow out of real physical eyes. But her tears remind us also of our emotions and feelings. And all of it is summed up in the resurrection of Jesus. As I believe it was Athanasius said, what has not been assumed by Jesus cannot be healed. In much the same way, you have at the resurrection of Jesus all of these things coming together. Mary weeping, her tears, her flood of emotions. And the resurrected Lord Jesus even redeems those too. Her tears of sorrow and lament are redeemed and transformed into tears of joy and celebration. Your inner life does matter. Your thoughts and feelings, your emotions, they do matter to Jesus. And He redeems them. He transforms them. He heals them. He makes them into something new and something beautiful. But notice the complexity of responses to the empty tomb. 
We encounter them in John's account just in three people, Mary, Peter, and John. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, who John does remind Peter and the early church that he beat Peter to the tomb. He outran him. But in, in these three that John tells us about, you've got a complexity of responses to the empty tomb. There's hesitancy. Even though Peter makes it to the tomb, or John makes it to the tomb first, John hesitates. He doesn't go in. What is going on here? There is hesitancy. There's perplexity. They're confused. Mary is beside herself. She doesn't know what's happened. That's why she ran back to the disciples and got Peter and John. The tomb is empty. We don't know where they've put him. All the confusion. There's weeping. Yes, both for lament. Where have you taken my Lord? But also then tears of joy. There's confusion as the disciples who don't yet understand what is going on here return back to their home. There's even grasping, like a desperate clinging. It's complicated. But one thing is simple. He is risen. He really is. Literally, physically, bodily. And the risen one, the one who's gone all the way through, calls us by name. Mary. And beckons us to follow. Go tell my brothers that I'm going where they will one day go. He beckons us to follow. What new mystery is this? Do not dare rob the resurrection of the all it deserves. If it does not hurt your head, it is not the biblical resurrection. If it does not make you say, that sort of thing doesn't happen, then I think you're missing what the gospel is saying really happened. The impossible has happened. The disciples did not think that after someone died three days later that they would just come back to life. They did not expect that. They certainly didn't expect that that person who came back from death would no longer be able to die would suddenly enter into rooms out of nowhere, but would also be able to eat and talk, be touched physically. It's a mystery. Mary was confused. She was broken before the empty tomb. She was scared and more. But notice... She stayed. This is no slight against Peter or John. It tells us they believed, even though they're confused and they don't understand what is happening. They go back with a sense of awe and wonder 
confusion. But she stays. And this Easter Sunday morning, I want to urge you, don't turn back. Not yet. No matter what is happening in life, no matter the confusion, no matter the hesitancy, no matter the perplexity, no matter how much you are weeping, no matter how frustrated you are, no matter how broken, scared, or any of that that you are, don't turn back. Not yet. If you are ever to see the risen Lord Jesus, you must be willing to linger at the tomb a bit longer. Supposing him to be the gardener, she wasn't wrong. This is the incarnate, crucified, and risen creator walking in the garden of a new Eden during the cool of the day of new creation. But he urges her, do not cling to me. While it is finished, there's more work to be done. I've not yet ascended to the Father. He must ascend to the Father and present crucified and resurrected, embodied and redeemed humanity to the Father in the true temple of heaven so that the fire of the Spirit will fall into the temple of the human heart. More is coming. The presence of the risen Jesus is coming. To the human heart. Resurrection isn't the denial of death, it's the defeat of death. Our Lord has led us out of the wilderness, He's gone all the way through. And so we await not an escape, but an arrival. The King is coming. And we're living in the dawn of the new day, even now. For the mystery of all the ages is realized. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Father, we thank you for the great mystery of our faith. We thank you for raising up your son Jesus glorifying his crucified body. We thank you through his death and resurrection for making a way for us into your very throne room, into the temple of heaven. And we thank you for making room for yourself in the temple of our hearts. We pray that you would help us as we continue this day of celebration to do so in the reality, even the mystery, the confusion, the wonder, the awesomeness, the unbelievability of his resurrection. We pray in his holy name. Amen.